From 8th Street to 8 Mile Road, from I-5 to Highway 99, Podcast Stockton. The show all about the great life in Stockton, California. This is Podcast Stockton. Welcome to Podcast Stockton, episode 78 for February 17th, 2014. I'm Susan Spraker. And I'm Matt Beckwith. Welcome back to our returning listeners. If this is your first time listening to Podcast Stockton, thanks for checking out the show. In today's episode, Susan and I sit down with Tony Manor, the proprietor of Finnegan's Irish Pub and Restaurant and Rebels Whiskey House. If you have not followed Tony's story, Tony opened a bar in North Stockton, but Finnegan's has turned into more than just a bar. Tony tells us how he found himself in a completely different industry, and he's expanded that to opening another location. Tony shares with us that how he was inspired by the love of his hometown to create a positive, supportive, and safe environment that's a community. We are joined today by Tony Manor from Finnegan's Irish Pub and Restaurant and Rebels Whiskey House. Tony, thanks for coming back on to Podcast Stockton. Thanks, Matt. Tony, how did you go from running a credit union marketing company to opening a bar? Let's start right there. <laughs> uh, originally, my uh, when my wife uh, had our first child, we were sitting in the my office, my home office, and I was doing some work, and it was about two weeks before she was supposed to go back to work, and she used to be the uh, store manager at an office max in Modesto. And she said, I need to talk to you. And so, you know, those Uh are magic Uh words. (laughs) Uh I spin around. She has my full attention at that point. And uh, she says, I I really don't want to go back to work. And we had had this conversation before we decided to have kids. And she said that she she had moved up. She was very young. And she was one of the youngest store managers with Office Max. And then she, on top of being female, so, I mean, she had really accomplished quite a bit with that company, and she was very proud of, of what she had accomplished. And when she's looking at my daughter, she's, you know, stuck with this decision as to what she was going to do. She she just couldn't bring herself to, to leave her with somebody else. So now here we are. I, you know, I, I missed the opportunity to plan for this, this eventuality. <laughs> and I, I spin around, and I pull up uh, our bank account on one screen, and... Uh, I start going through Craigslist trying to figure out what I'm going to do to, you know, supplement our income. And there happened to be a uh, a bar for sale in South Stockton over on the corner of Channel and California Street. And growing up, I, I'd done a lot of security work and I'd worked for quite a few bars and I had uh, some experience there. I understood what it took to run a business and I'm, I'm scratching my head and I just knew what what time investment it was going to take. And I, I was already stretched thin. We already had a couple other businesses that we were running at the time. But my mom was looking to retire. And my mom spent 25 years in the restaurant industry. So I made a phone call to her and I asked her, you know, what she thought. And her words to me were that, you know, if she was going to make a million dollars for somebody, she'd rather it be me than, you know, some corporate gig somewhere. So, you know, I put everything together and... Decided that we had enough money to to purchase this bar. Um, I understood the the ins and outs of it. I had 25 years of experience with my mom coming in, and uh, I thought maybe she could run it, and it could just as long as it was making enough money to 
offset what we were losing from, you know, my wife not going to work, we'd be cool. Everything would continue on the way it always has. Um, and fortunately, my mom had some health issues along the way. Um, so I stepped in and started doing more and more work with the bar. And uh, what it was called the Quarter Horse. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, right next to the the RTD station downtown. Okay. And it took us about three years that we did that. And we got our investment back and we started looking. We never really planned on staying downtown. That was more of a preliminary investment just to get the liquor license. So we started searching around, seeing what other properties were available. And at that time, uh, Flynn's had just been vacated. So I had to, there was no real estate agencies here in town that were managing that property. So I went through the county recorder's office, tried to track down who owned it. Ended up being this uh, this lady in San Jose, and I con- called her up, and I said, uh, I'm interested in this property. What do we got to do to make this happen? And she came down, and she met my family, and she realized you know, that we weren't really there to, to be a nuisance on our neighbors or mm-hmm. anything else, because she owned the property behind us as well. And she gave us the, the okay. We signed the paperwork. We went in. We did some renovations over eight months. There was a lot of water damage and things that needed to be fixed and we slapped the new name on it and opened the doors and crossed our fingers and that was kind of the beginning of where Finnegan started. So what led you to um, to moving down the street and uh, rebranding to uh, Rebels Whiskey House? As we got more and more popular you know we were really maxing out our capacity four or five nights a week. Yeah, it was great. I mean, we had a lot of fun, but we were looking, even on a Tuesday night, we'd have 20, 30 people standing in line waiting to get in. And and that's heartbreaking when you get to know the people are coming in and, you know, they're standing there and they're looking at you like, you know, can I come in? And it's like, you know, I wish I could sneak you in, but if, you know, the fire marshal shows up, they'll Mm -hmm. shut us down completely and everybody's got to go. One night I'm standing in the parking lot and as you guys know, I, I tend to stand out front most nights and get to know everybody who comes in. It's kind of my thing. And we heard a lot of gunfire and we looked down the street and the location on the corner of Swain and Pacific, what, there was 20, 30 cops uh, in the parking lot and red and blue lights everywhere. You know, we're sitting there going, you know, what the, what's going on? So we're watching and everything ended up clearing out. Turns out only one person was injured. Nobody died, which, you know, thank God for that. A week later, I went down and contacted the property owner and I said, look, you've got a really nice location here and I'd like to do something with it. But, um, you know, you have a tenant and he said, no problem. We can, <laughs> we can, <laughs> we can fix that for you. Wow. <laughs> you can make that go away. We had such uh, an interest in doing more with the community that we really couldn't do that as a bar and the type of liquor license that we had at what we call the old Finnegan's what's now rebels, uh, whiskey house was a, uh, what's called a type 48 license, which means that minors couldn't be on the property ever. And, which means that when I had my kids with me, they'd have to sit in the car and wait, oh, you know, and as I run in paperwork or drop off a, an order or something like that. And, you know, that's kind of hard. And when we would reach out to the community to try to try and do something positive, we would get turned away because we're a bar and nobody really wants to associate with a bar. Mm. It didn't matter that, you know, we didn't, we were known with the city and, and with law enforcement as being 
a, a nice bar as far as bars go, a good you bar. know, <laughs> one that didn't, you know, have the problems associated with a lot of the bars here in town. But the fact is, you know, it's, it's hard to donate money to the, the local high school when, you know, you have a bar's name attached to it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, my wife and I talked about it and originally we weren't thinking about moving Finnegan's over there. We were going to try to do something new. When we talked to the landlord, they were more interested in us actually just moving Finns over there. And as we were in there doing construction and, and trying to make the place look nice, we realized that all the amenities that we were putting in were all the things that we wish we had at Finnegan's. Mm. So inadvertently, we were actually building the Finnegan's we wanted. <laughs> we wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and so we started looking around. And I was like, oh, God, you know, what did we do? <laughs> you know, yeah. we built two of the exact same bars. <laughs> and uh, Two blocks away. Right, oh, two blocks away from each other. And uh, so we had to make a decision at that point. So we decided that it was going to be the new Finns and it was going to be a restaurant. And in the daytime, we were going to be family friendly. My kids could come in and, you know, um, sit and have lunch. And then at night when, you know, we get swamped with people and it's too hard to manage, you know, who has alcohol and who doesn't, we would limit the amount of uh, under 21s that could get in. What are the differences between the two places Tony, what we found was um, we kind of had an idea as to what we were going to do at what's now called Rebels. Um, we had a couple options we threw in the air, and we were like, "Well, we could go this way or that way." And right up until the last minute, all three of those were pretty much viable options. As we opened up Finnegan's in the new location, we had our regulars that were coming in and telling us that they didn't feel as comfortable. It and part of that was because it was so big, you know, they didn't have that kind of close kind of homey feel that they had known for the last, you know, four or five years. It felt way too big. They felt like they were kind of exposed. They didn't have the intimacy that they had before. So we would sit there and talk to each person. It's like, well, you don't like this, but why, you know, what, what are you looking for? What is missing here? That was over at old Finns. They, you know, they gave us kind of a list of, of things and we realized that what they were really looking for was just a dive bar (laughs) (laughs) just basically they were looking for something small something intimate something not too fancy something where they could still go out and have a good time still um, go out with five or six friends and not have you know dance music like we have on the weekends uh, playing or maybe not too many people running around playing you know beer pong or maybe not so much food. They just wanted to go sit down with four or five friends, have a couple of beers and be able to talk Mm -hmm. and not be overwhelmed with everything else that's going on. So my, uh, I have, you know, like everybody has, you know, different sides of their family. And I have part of my family is from the Northeast and I have part of my family is from Texas. And (laughs) so we were like, you know, well, are we going to do a country thing? And I'm not, I'm not a big country guy. Uh, you know, I enjoy country music and, but I'm not an outdoorsy guy. I I grew up in the city, (laughs) put me outside. I'm looking for something to crawl under. And the, uh, so we were like, well, you know, what are we going to do? We're, we're definitely not going to open up an ultra lounge or (laughs) something like that. You know, what are we going to do? And what we realized when Dina and I sat down and talked was one of the more fun businesses that we had was a coffee shop and, all the kids were musicians and they, they were all incredibly talented and we used to hang out for hours, you know, with those kids. And so we decided what we were looking for was really kind of a, 
a, a rock and roll environment. Though when we named it Rebels, we were kind of thinking, you know, we have, uh, uh, that of a rebellious spirit, mm-hmm. and which kind of encapsulated what those kids were to us. They, you know, they were tattooed and pierced and, you know, musicians mm-hmm. and, you know, wild and out there, but they were all really good kids. You know, they, they weren't looking for trouble. In fact, they avoided it most of the time, but, mm-hmm. you know, they were just genuinely good kids. And, you know, we talked and we thought that was really kind of the idea that we were trying to encapsulate. Of course, when we opened up, I had to go through my, my warehouse of decorations and then <laughs> mostly what I had was a lot of Texas stuff and <laughs> a lot of country stuff. So we started throwing that on the walls until we can find something else, but hmm. we're still in the process. It's a work in, in progress, but, uh, to answer the question, we're looking for a drinking bar that was fun to be at that had live music. Hmm. Yeah, definitely, uh, uh, two different populations, but, uh, two needs, which is nice that it's just a, just a couple blocks away. So let's go back to uh, you. You hinted at it earlier, but the the the, the guest list policy. That's I mean that's that's where uh, a lot of the media attention has focused lately. Is the um, uh, the the way that you manage your guest list on your busiest of nights, and and you know the headline is always bar owner um, bar owner kicks people out that aren't his friends on Facebook, or you know some right. some version of that, some some crazy thing. But let's you know what's you know, how do you describe your guest list policy? The best way I can describe it is it's a, it's sort of a reservation program that we have. Um, it started innocently enough. Uh, a couple of years ago, like I said, the, you know, we would have 20, 30 people standing outside on a Tuesday or a Thursday night, 60 to 80 people waiting outside on a weekend and, you know, for our little tiny spot. And, you know, it was breaking my heart. There were these people that were standing in line that would come in and, and see us, you know, three, four or five nights a week, you know, come after work. A lot of restaurant folks who, you know, became good friends of mine. And I'm looking there and then I, I would look inside the door and I'd see a bunch of people I didn't know. And, and while I, I, you know, enjoyed the new business and the new patrons, you know, there was there was no way I could turn away these people that had been such supporters of ours. So. We decided that we were going to try something out. A lot of the people that had been coming for months and months and months uh, had become my friends on Facebook. And, you know, we would communicate that way. And I would tell them, hey, you know, come come out. I'm working or I'm doing this, that, and the other. And so we ended up, we were about 1,500 friends on Facebook. And from, you know, from zero. Because I started the uh, the account fresh um, when, when Finnegan's opened. And... We, so we were about 1,500, and we decided to give it kind of a shot. When I talked to the people that were coming on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Sundays, I found that some of them had just completely stopped coming on the weekends altogether. They were going someplace else. And that's heartbreaking as, mm-hmm. as a business owner, but also as somebody who actually knows these people personally. You know, I see pictures of their kids and you know what they're doing at work and the troubles that they're going through to find that they're kind of walking away from me because they're not enjoying what Mm -hmm. we had created. We talked to them and they said, well, you know, there's a lot of dirt bags that are showing up on the weekend. There's a lot of, you know, scumbags that are coming in and it's like, yeah, you know, I, I have a dress code, but you know, it's not foolproof. You know, sometimes scumbags know how to go and put on a collared shirt or, (laughs) you know, or do something along those lines. And they were saying, well, you know, we'd love to come on the weekends. We just, it's not our crowd. 
And it's mm. like, well, I understand. Um, so I told him, well, what we'll do is I'll just take everybody I'm friends with on Facebook and we'll have a party this coming Friday. You know, how, what do you think about that? And they're like, that sounds awesome. So we set up for the next Friday, invited everybody on Facebook. We put big signs on the door. You know, it's Facebook Friday. If you're not friends with us on Facebook, this is kind of a private thing. We did awesome That's drink brave. specials, yeah. you know, a bunch of things like that. And we, we were fortunate enough that so many people were coming that we could do this for one night. And we got a lot of new friends off of it, too, because we were turned away some people. And you know, I think we were the only place in town serving $2 beers on a Saturday night oh. or a Friday night. So everybody came in. Everybody had a really good time. It was really refreshing to not feel the stress of so many new people that we were, you know, had to keep an eye on to make sure everybody, you know, nobody was going to want to fight or anything like that. So it was almost like a party for the staff, too, because mm. we knew everybody and it just made it really enjoyable. So at the end of the night, we were cleaning up and talking as we do. And it was just saying how much fun it was to come to work tonight, you know, to see all these people that we never get to see on the weekends. We only see them during the week and to see them really kind of, you know, have a good time and dance because we only had dancing on the weekends. Um, it was like, we should really do that more often. Well, we let it go for a couple of weeks. And I think the very next week we didn't do it and we had a fight and mm. I was so upset I was so mad that, you know, we had just come off of this really enjoyable party. The very next week we had just this really, you know, crappy night. And so we said, you know, maybe we should do that Facebook thing again. So we did it again on another Friday. Same thing happened. You know, everybody came, everybody left, everybody had a good time. There was no problems. I was like, God, you know. Maybe we should just do this every Friday night, just you know, to kind of yeah. just be kind of like a day off. We could all just have a good time on a Friday night and then brace ourselves for Saturday. And it just kept happening. You know, we just kept having these great Friday nights. So we decided, well, hell, let's do it on Fridays and Saturdays. So we started doing that. And then, you know, we were having issues on Tuesdays and Thursdays, the other two nights that we were packed out. And then we started having problems on Wednesdays and Sundays. <clears throat> so... <laughs> We started having, we started doing the the guest list, the Facebook thing, and it was growing. I mean, by this point, I think we were up to 2,500 names, uh, friends on Facebook. And we were doing it on Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. And so the people who didn't have Facebook accounts, we were telling them, come on Sundays and Wednesdays and Mondays and get to know the staff. And you could guess what happened. We started having fights on Sundays, Mondays, and Wednesdays. Wow. <laughs> but we didn't have any problems on Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Um so we did that right up until new the new Finnegan's restaurant was getting ready to open. And we had a meeting with the staff and we were talking about all the different times that that location had changed names. And a lot of it was under the same owner. He would just change the name every year or two. People think it was a new business, mm -hmm. but it was really it was just the same business with a new label on it. So we were worried that his old clientele would show up. You know, the people that were shooting and starting fights and things mm -hmm. of that nature. And so we said, when we get ready to open, maybe we should just do this Facebook thing for a month and just keep it cool. And that way we can invite all the people that have supported us over the last five years in and give them kind of first dibs, you know, kind of a first look before we open it up to the general public. Mm -hmm. And that worked. We went in and the first month we didn't have a single problem any night of the week. You know, everything was great. 
we got to the end of the the month and we're looking at each other and none of us really wanted to stop (laughs) wanted to go back right and the and and it kept going up i think we were at like 3500 facebook friends at this point and uh so we're like well no one seems to be complaining too much and it's not affecting business at all let's keep rolling and see what happens so we did it for another six months and in that six months we picked up another 1500 friends and so now i'm maxed out you know facebook only lets you have you know five thousand friends and now we're like you know crap what are we going to do I can't bring any more people in. And I was trying to convince people that had moved away to unfriend me. Mm-hmm. And they, they're sending messages back going, no, I don't want to. <laughs> when I come back, I want to come to <laughs> Yeah. And so we're saying, no, no, no. We'll, 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 we'll print out a list and we'll keep you on that. And they say, no, it's not just that. It's that you're right. And we were updating people on things that were happening in Stockton. And they felt like, you know, they would, they would, log into our Facebook page instead of going to the newspapers, mm-hmm. you know, website. And they felt like they were getting a better idea of what was happening in Stockton through my, my Facebook profile page. I was like, well, crap, what am I going to do? You know, I, we couldn't do a regular business page because there wasn't any filtering process. Right. Everybody would like you and you can't <clears throat> control that. Right. Mm-hmm. And it kind of defeats the purpose. And part of the whole, friend thing was I, I still have, I think 2000, um, <laughs> requests that I had not accepted at that point because of something either on their profile page, something gang related, something drug related, something violence related that I just didn't want to, you know, uh, invite into what we were doing. So if I did a business page, just liking us wasn't enough. I couldn't, you know, turn people away. They said, well, I like the business page. You know, why can't I come in? Because you have a bunch of gang stuff on your page. Mm-hmm. So what we did was we created a private group page. And now you can get to that through uh, 209guestlist.com. Mm-hmm. And you go in and you click on the join button. And we do the same process that we've always done. We go in and basically we look for stuff that's on our, our guest list. I mean on our uh, dress code. And you know we're looking for gang-affiliated items we're looking for violence we're looking at posts saying you know really offensive things um and those are people that we just choose not to let onto the guest list i'm pretty excited because i just got to join and and i made it on so i'm pretty excited about that i just wanted to say that so thank you i I wish there was like a numbering system right of of a when, rating system like when you were accepted because you know it's, it is one of those things like with that people talk about with pride they're like yeah of course i'm one of tony you guys are on, on the Facebook. first you know, list like, i'm sure and and people yeah. I, I mean people do talk about that it comes up in conversations you see somebody will comment and say oh you're a friend of tony's yeah of course i'm a friend of tony's. <laughs> That's right. you know, i'm people, on the first list we're proud of that kind of stuff yeah That's we right. actually made oh, i haven't printed them we've got the shirts designed it says uh screw your cover charge i'm on the guest list oh, that's and, great. because we don't charge a cover and that's the biggest kind of selling point to people that have come to fins for the first time when we're trying to explain to them how the guest list works is you know we ask them are you on the guest list and they're like you know you guys have a guest list you know it's stocked in you know who should have a guest list it's like well we don't charge a cover so <laughs> you're on the guest list it doesn't cost you 10 bucks to get in and they're like oh well in that case how do i get on the guest list yeah. so it kind of changes it up a little bit so yeah, explain a little bit um, for those that are sort of new to that. How the, how does it how does it work? The guest list. If you um, 
obviously you want to join the page, so you do that. And then you're really doing some investigating to make sure that folks are, you know, following kind of the criteria. And then when, when they want to come, they just come on down and you check to see if they're on the list and whether they can get in or how does that work? Right. The, so say they go to the, now the 209guestlist.com and they click on join. They, I do, I do go through every single profile and some of the things I look at, I mean, it's, it's kind of a long process and I, and I sound kind of, I feel like a moron when I try to explain it because it sounds kind of petty, but, um, you know, when I, when I was growing up, you know, I, I went through phases and like a lot of teenagers, I went through my rebellious phase and I was hanging out with a bunch of, you know, people that were into all kinds of, you know, crazy stuff. And, um, you know, my parents got on me as parents do. And they told me, you know, you're, you're judged by the company that you keep, you know, birds of a feather. I mean, however you want to say it, the fact is I was hanging out with people that didn't represent the values that my parents shared. And really they saw the path that I was on. And while, you know, they, they knew I was smart enough to figure it out for myself. You know, they, they were brave enough to, to allow that to happen. Um, it's tough to, to look at your kid and say, I'm going to let you make that mistake. And because the, the lesson you're going to learn is more valuable than anything I could tell you. Um, I kind of took that with this guest list thing. I, you know, I basically, if, if I wouldn't allow you into my house, I'm not going to allow you into my business. And so I look at it and if, you have friends that are into a lot of stuff that I'm not wanting to be around personally, then you're not really the kind of person I want to hang out with. And everybody who comes to friends are people that I would hang out with. And it's, it's rough because I know people are going to hear this that maybe haven't been accepted and they're going to you know say, well, what about me? What is it about me that you don't like? Maybe they don't care about my opinion, which is fine too. You know, I'm just one guy. Do you get a lot of those questions? I mean, do you yeah. get a lot of people coming to you and saying, "Hey, why am I not on the list? Why can't I come in?" That kind of thing. We we do, and we actually have people. This is this goes back to kind of my my prior career in, in marketing. This has been kind of a social experiment for me. I'm really interested in people and why they do the things that they do. Mm-hmm. And there's people that have made bad choices, but as they get older they go through a transition, you know, they start learning uh, crap. Maybe my parents knew more than I gave them credit for. Mm. Um, and I get to be a part of that. I, I see them and they come and they say, Hey, look, I want to come here because the people I hang out with don't come here. Mm. And I want to be able to bring my girlfriend here because I don't have to deal with all the chaos of the neighborhood I come from or the, the people that I've hung out with since high school, they're ready to make that leap into adulthood. And, they know that the people that they hang out with are more anchors than wings. You know, they're going to hold them back. And I'm not saying that we don't have problems. You know, we, we do. Usually my staff is, is so kind of dialed into our crowd that as soon as there's a, a, you know, a fly in the milk, we, we notice, you know, as soon as there's somebody who's thinking about, you know, starting a problem, by the time they make the choice, to, to be a problem, they've already got, you know, four or five guys in green shirts standing around them ready to, to walk them out the door. So even when we do have a problem, it's usually over and handled very quickly. And, you know, there's no bystanders that get involved or get hurt or anything like that. They're walked outside. They're explained what their options are. And sometimes that involves, you know, calling the police and having the police, you know, take over from there. Or sometimes it's just a matter of calling them a cab or walking to their car and 
saying, you know, thanks and appreciate you being compliant. And because you listened, you know, we'll let you come back. But we have very strict rules on what we what we'll call, you know, you're done for the night, you're on timeout or you're 86. <laughs> Those are the only three options you have. And if you listen, you're compliant. Everybody, you know, an ex-girlfriend shows up or an ex-boyfriend shows up something. You know, you're going to have an argument. If we tap you on the shoulder and it's like, you know, this sounds like it's a private conversation. Why don't we keep it private and move it to someplace else? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. if they listen, they take it someplace else. Awesome. You know, those things happen. You can't help it, especially when alcohol is involved. Yeah. Um, if they argue and want to continue to make a scene, we might tell them, hey, it's going to be three to six months before we're going to let you back in. And it happens. We've done that. And we've had people you know, come back six months to the day. It's like, thanks for letting me back in. And then we have people that. Either we've put them on timeout a couple of times or they've put hands on either the staff or somebody else on the property. And I don't want you to ever come back Mm -hmm. because you don't know how to drink responsibly. And you might mature, you might grow older and realize that you screwed up, but I don't have to take you as a, as a patron. And I prefer patron to customer (laughs) because I I do feel like, you know, this is, this is a, a mutually beneficial relationship. Um, I'm not trying to sell you something. I'm trying to partner with you and you know, I want to give you something that you want, something that has value. And because of that, with the guest list, we allow our, the people on the guest list to bring a guest. Um, so we do have new people coming in all the time, but we tell them, you know, you're responsible for your guest. I'm not sure if I answered the question or if I just went on a rant, but (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty much how it works. Um, you know, we have a lot of different we have a lot of different ways that, that people can get in. Um, we try to allocate about 80% of our floor space to the people that are on the guest list. If that other 20% could be guests, it could be, say we're going through and you are in dress code and you seem like you're, you're going to be a cool person. We'll, we'll let you in. I mean, just like any other place. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the crowd starts to shift and I look inside and we're 50% new people and 50%, you know, guestless people, I get nervous, mm-hmm. you know, and then we decide we're guestless only from this point on, or we're guestless plus to guess. And the staff knows and everybody's behind it hundred percent. I've had, wow. because of the press that we got, um, part of my, my previous career was, uh, reputation management and online reputation management. I would go to all of these websites, all of these publications that were publishing articles about us and people were asking questions and I'm compelled to answer the questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're talking, you know, BBC and CNN and uh, wow. CNET and all these different um, newspapers and stuff. Yeah. And people would have a, a variety of opinions and questions. And just last night um, we were, the article was, published in uh, reput- or hospitality management or restaurant and hospitality wow. magazine or something like that. And somebody said that, you know, we were approaching it the wrong way. And so I was like, well, I, I appreciate what you're saying. I go, but what you don't understand is, is really the option to not do it this way is to invite a lot of dangerous elements mm-hmm. into your business. And at that point I'd rather close. Yeah. I'd rather walk away. My, my family depends on me to keep breathing. So, if, right. you know, if I if I can't guarantee or at least in, in some reasonable way that I'm going to make it home at the end of the night, then I can go back to doing what I used to do. You you control uh, somewhat or you influence their addiction to uh, to food and shelter. So, right. <laughs> so <laughs> absolutely.
was great talking to Tony, and we have so much more to share of the interview. Yeah, come back tomorrow for episode number 79 when we finish our conversation with Tony. Thank you for listening to Podcast Stockton. We'd love to hear your feedback. Call us on our listener line at 565-3229. Email us at podcaststockton at gmail.com or find us on Facebook or Twitter, username Podcast Stockton. And thanks again to Tony for coming on to this episode. And again, in the next episode, we will continue that conversation. Links to all the things that we've talked about in today's show are in the show notes at podcaststockton.com. Until next time, make it great, Stockton. Stockton.